0: Thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauly and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your every day. Without further ado, our guest this week. Knowing that there are opportunities in the sports business is not always easy. Certainly getting into this business is not easy either. Our next guest didn't really dream of working in sports, but now had a very successful career. I'm excited to have Abby Mathis, Vice President of Suites and Premium Sales and Service for the Sacramento Kings. Abby, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Travis. Good to be here.
0: Abby, always a pleasure. Certainly excited to talk about your journey. So let's start it off from the beginning. You grow up in Las Vegas, and certainly at the time, professional sports was not something that you were accustomed to, but sports was always part of your life. So growing up, what did you think you wanted to do?
1: Um, well, I was dead set on being a professional soccer player, playing Division One soccer, being the next Mia Hamm, going to UNC, playing for Anson Dorrance, I had my whole life figured out at a very young age.
0: It was all mapped out and ready to go.
1: It was, um, but then I had a nice uh, rude awakening that um, that obviously God had another plan for me, um, and yeah, so I ended up playing Division One soccer, but not um, at UNC, and I'm not a professional soccer player. So,
0: well, we'll certainly talk about your career, but you did you, you, you hit part of that journey. You end up playing D1 soccer at Eastern Washington University, and. Now that's, you know, certainly an impressive stat in itself playing D1 and much of this business is about recruiting top talent. So as you think back, and and I know you had multiple different offers and talking to multiple different schools, you're getting recruited. What ultimately stood out that drew you to become an Eagle, but more importantly, like how do you replicate from your own recruiting strategies?
1: So originally um, I actually was looking to go once UNC was no longer a dream um, that I can make a reality. To I was looking to go to Washington State University um, and play there and be up in Washington State for seasons, relatively closer, you know, to home. Um, it just it felt right. Unfortunately, I was not what they were looking for. It was not big enough. They were very transparent with me, which that is to this day now very important to me as a leader. But you know, just another you know hit that I took. You know, UNC wasn't it. Washington State wasn't wasn't it. But Eastern Washington um, became an option. Um, what I don't think many people know though, is my first year I had to walk on because at that time they had already distributed all of their scholarship money. It wasn't, it wasn't an option for me. It was, Hey, you know, come walk on, prove yourself, and then we'll take care of you the next few years. And I loved my coaches. It was coach, coach T and, and coach George, husband and wife, um, just phenomenal people. Um, you know, they still send Christmas cards to my family each year. Um, they did a huge part in my life. Um, they believed in me. They never gave up on me. College was tough. I mean, you know, I went to school to think that, you know, I was going to play for four years and then play professionally, but that's reality set in. And, you know, not also having a scholarship for four years kind of left like a chip on my shoulder and having to prove myself that I was worthy of that my first year um, was not easy, but it, it builds character, right? Right. And so, you know, to this day, when you talk about, like, what do we look for, like, when we're recruiting, obviously, athletes, you know, it's it's no surprise, you know, they understand, you know, the grind, the work ethic, the mental toughness, um, the discipline. um, And, you know, they're passionate, clearly, if they're playing in college. So I would say all of those those fundamental traits is something that, you know, that we look for. Um, But I would say that my coaches were incredibly impactful in um, my leadership today, just by the way that they, they, they treated me yep. throughout my four years and who they were as, as people and coaches.
0: Yeah, no different than what we do in this business side is, is you want to truly feel that you aren't just a sales number, aren't just a number in this business, but they care about you, both your personal and professional growth. And, you know, throughout your career as a D1 soccer player, you're a forward, you even scored two goals in one game. I told you I was going to do my research. I saw that in the record yeah. books. Um, so what were some key learnings you took away from being a D athlete, you know, that you still apply to your every day?
1: Well, I'll just say that. I think that was like the only time in college that was like my best game and when I really did well. So thanks for highlighting my, my one moment. I hope hey, nobody- It
0: was, I searched it. It was one of the first things that came up top of the record books. <laughs> I was like, I know somebody of this caliber. That's pretty oh, impressive.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's embarrassing. Okay. But- but now I've lost track of the question.
0: So like, what, are some, what are some key learnings from, you know, being a D one athlete that you still apply to your every day?
1: Well, you know, we, I talked about, you know, briefly, like the work ethic and the discipline, but also the sacrifice that goes in with being a division one athlete and also being, you know, in leadership um, and being now in, in an executive role. But When we talk about sacrifices, it's, you know, your personal life takes a huge hit, right? I mean, talk about college, you can't party, you're not supposed to drink, you're gonna be up at 6am for weight training, you know, you're sometimes you have two a days. And, you know, you have coaches that are like, look, you have to stay focused, and then you're traveling, right? And how do you take care of yourself mentally and physically? And, you know transition it to now I mean we just went through this and we're still you know in this pandemic and how we've had to talk about like the the mental health and having to take care of yourself and it's a grind you know being in the NBA it's it's like two jobs you have the you know you work game nights you know and then there's new there really is no off season right so that grind doesn't go away and there is sacrifice when it comes to that work-life balance that's no surprise I know I'm not really saying anything that no one really ever knows but um I think that we're getting better yep. um, as we continue to evolve. I think that's a fair statement that we understand the importance of having that balance and that we can, you know, work from home and be successful. We don't have to be in there at 8 a.m. and leaving at 7 p.m. Right. So.
0: No, absolutely. was as you're at school, Abby, you end up getting a degree in public relations, advertising, and communication. So when did it finally hit you that, you know what, sports could be a path I could have a career in, maybe not playing, but certainly in the business side.
1: When I started my first job in inside sales with the Seattle Sonics and the Seattle Storm, I I struggled with the Seattle Sonics. That was tough. And and we can hopefully get into that a little bit more later, but when when it came to selling for the Seattle Storm, that's when I kind of found my niche and that like relationship selling and it, and it really clicked. Um, And that's when I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. But at first I thought there's, there's just no way I'm terrible at this. I'm used to being good at mostly everything or at least decent so it was with the Seattle storm yeah. that I, that I found that passion.
0: Yeah. And to your point, you know, passion is a big part of what we need to do and something you can control. And when you, you got your start there, you know, it's you're selling a team that, you know, certainly had a lot of buzz around moving with the, the Seattle Sonics. Um, and then ultimately, you know, which, which ended up going there. And we talk a lot about those controllables in this business. So how did you continue to stay focused on during that time? Not only that you weren't having as maybe as much success, but, one of the teams is moving. Well,
1: you know, for me, it was a whole new experience. And yes, while it wasn't the most positive or enjoyable one, I definitely was learning a lot and I wasn't a quitter. I wasn't going to give up. I knew that I had to, to keep pressing forward. And I had a great leader under, you know, Jamie Morningstar, who who was great with, with continuing to find one-on-one time with me and continuing to train me. And, you know, it's through those those challenges and those obstacles that if you can find a way to overcome them versus just throwing in the towel and walking away and saying, this isn't for me, you know, that, you know, we we tend to think it's just easier taking the easier way out, but, you know, I stuck through it. Right. And I stayed positive, controlled what I can control. And I showed up every day and through time we transitioned naturally into, you know, selling for the Seattle storm. And I almost felt like my, my, I paid my dues. It's like, okay, you made it through trying to sell um, during such a difficult time. And then everything during those difficult times started to pay off. So it wasn't for nothing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what, you know, that's great advice for all the listeners out there. No matter what, you've got to control what you can control. It'll pay off, but you may have days, you may have weeks, you may have months. You're just getting kicked in the teeth constantly, but it's the people that are really successful and the push to be a are the ones that that can overcome that. And, you know, so now the Sonics end up moving to OKC and you make the move with the franchise. So walk us through that time.
1: I remember it like it was yesterday when Jamie called me into one of the little conference rooms and she said, the team is relocating. We're going to Oklahoma city. Do you want to go and help build this franchise, sell out this arena? It's a once in a lifetime experience. Like no, not a lot of people get this opportunity You get to put this on your resume um, and we'll figure out your career path, your next steps from there. And I was like, absolutely. And I was like, count me in. Let's do this. Packed up my little Jeep compass and drove (laughs) from Washington down to Oklahoma City. Um, And that's, you know, the rest was history.
0: No, that's awesome. And as you embark on that new journey, you move to a different part of the country you end up spending four years with the Thunder in service and retention. And you know as you look back to the first five years of your career in the industry, and you kind of talked early on, there were some challenges. Then with that transition, what do you feel like you wish you would have known then that you know now that could have made you even more successful than you already were?
1: Well, I didn't really know what my future looked like in this industry, and I didn't understand the power of your brand. So during those first five years of trying to be a professional, I mean, most a lot of people know the story. Like I showed up my first day wearing jeans and Jamie Morningstar had to send me home. Like I had to learn how to, to, to dress professionally to, learn act to the professionally. hard way. Yes. And you know what? We're all wearing jeans now to work. So I tend to think that maybe I was a little bit, you know, forward thinking. I got us. I was a little far ahead, anyways.
0: This won't surprise anybody. I've never worn jeans to work. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm That's sorry. Right.
1: I feel sorry. Good. Okay, good. Kudos to you. Um, but going back to like talking about your brand, I do remember a conversation that I had in Oklahoma city with Scott loft, who was like a father figure to me. And he was like, look, Ab, your peers they see you a certain way. They don't see you as the leader that you want to be. You're going to have to go somewhere else and start over because they see this young girl this that was on TRL and this little YouTube. That's a funny story for another time, but it's true. I I was I created my own brand not as a leader but just as a top performer. And I wish I would have known then that that's what I should have been keeping at the forefront of everything that I did.
0: Yep. No, that makes sense. And so you talked about, you grew up in Vegas, you moved to to Seattle, obviously went to to Eastern Washington, moved to Seattle, moved to OKC many times, even now is, hey, you know, am I willing to get out of my comfort zone? So what is your advice to listeners on the willingness to relocate and you ensure that you're finding the best opportunity for you, both personally and professionally?
1: So when the opportunity to explore the job opportunity in Cleveland for the Cavaliers, I'll never forget when the email popped up and the subject line says Cleveland Cavaliers leadership position. And my first thought was no way in hell am I going to Cleveland? Nope. Team's terrible. Weather's terrible. It's further away from home, different time zone, not happening. But Carlos, my, my leader at the time, you know, he was like, look, this is a great experience for you to go and to interview, learn, go through the process. Like, let me help coach you through this. Little did I know he thought there was no way in hell I was going to get the job, which he's (laughs) now told me to this day. So I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, Carlos. (laughs) Um, he just said, look, this is going to be good for you. No matter how you feel about it, just go there, go through the process and see how you feel when you come back and says, Okay. I go there and I kid you not, I left there. And you know, who was on the leadership team there at that time, I left there that night. They put me through the gauntlet, it's crazy gauntlet the entire day. And I called home and I said, mom, if they call me tomorrow with a job opportunity, I'm in, I'm going to Cleveland. moving." So, you know, it, it took, you know, put your ego to the side. Yes. You you think it's Cleveland. You know, you, you, I had all these initial thoughts on it and you know, you have to be open-minded. And again, if I had just closed off the opportunity, I never would have been there. And I was there for almost nine years. So you got to take chances and you got to go through the process because you just truly never know.
0: Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Abby Mathis, Vice President of Suites and Premium Sales and Service for the Sacramento Kings. And Abby, to, to that point, you get the itch to get into leadership. You then ultimately moved to another part of the country in Cleveland with the Cavs. And so first, why was leadership the right fit for you?
1: Well, to be honest, I didn't know when when I was in Oklahoma City and I was felt like I kind of like was ready for the next step. I didn't know. I was at a crossroads. And I was either going to go into leadership or I was going to get out of the industry completely and try to get into broadcasting. I just I didn't know what direction that I was really, truly passionate about. But when I went to Cleveland and I met that entire leadership team, and that was the Nick Barlage, you know, that Brad Sims, Eric Klaus, AJ Bondi. I was blown away by how they, their culture, how intelligent they were, how they view the business, how they, you know, put people first and we're all about growing and developing people. And that was truly, I think like my wake up call, like my moment where I was like, this is what I want to do. This is it. There's no, there is no crossroad anymore. Like gotta show me like, this is what you need to do. You feel it. Like you got to go for it. So that's kind of how it, it truly just came about where I was like, I, this is something I, I can't pass up.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you never dreamed of spending the next nine years of your career with the Cavs, but it certainly worked out. You started working as the manager of membership services and ultimately the senior director of premium hospitality development. What do you feel like, Abby, you did on such a consistent basis in leadership to continue to gain more and more responsibility over the years?
1: I was very eager to learn as much about the business as possible. And I wanted to always do more. I was looking for more. Um, I feel like my, my relationships with not only the leaders within ticket sales, but outside of ticket sales was important because it gave me a lot more knowledge and just made me a lot more confident so that, you know, I had that executive confidence and I felt like my, I could voice, you know, what I felt was, was important to our business in regards to strategies and, and how to do certain campaigns. And I think that confidence started to exude and, they believed in me, you know, the leadership team believed in me. My team members believed in me. You know, I led to where, you know, a lot of them wanted to run through a brick wall for me. And I felt the same way about them. Like I wanted to run through a brick wall for them too. So they knew that my true passion was making, you know, my people better, the business better. And I like to think that I brought a little bit of fun personality to it.
0: No, absolutely. You you definitely have a fun personality and you know, Abby, your time with the Cavs certainly had a lot of ups and downs on the court. You know, during your time there, you lost more games than you won. You saw the return of LeBron, a departure of LeBron, ultimately went to four straight finals, won a title. So regardless of the on-court performance, you and your team were having a ton of success. And so what do you feel like you and the team were doing on such a consistent basis to, again, going back to the control was to have so much success regardless of wins or losses.
1: Well, here's what I'll say is that I unfortunately was guilty of thinking, Oh, you're such a good other teams. You're so good. You're in the playoffs. You don't know what it's like to struggle. And it's like, Oh no, you, that's It's a totally different challenge. Um, it, it's, you know, the, the work is still there. The The pressure is still there. Um, and the expectations are actually even higher. So what I think, you know, when I was there, the difference maker for us is that from the top down, everybody understood what the expectations were. We all were, were rowing in the same direction. And we wanted to make sure that our team members were always put in the best position um, to be successful. And they were at the forefront of every single thing that, that we did. And I know that they felt that. I know that they saw that. And culture is is crucial. And, you know, no organization is perfect by, by any means Um, everyone, you know, they have their, their ups and downs, but at the end of the day, I think what, what made us successful is we had the right people um, making the, the right decisions, hiring the right people and team members to come in that, that knew the direction and the vision. And we were all working together.
0: You think back to your four straight final appearances, and then in 2016, you win the title. Walk us through that time.
1: (laughs) That was incredible. That was incredible. So I actually was very fortunate to be in a position where I didn't have any, I don't have family, kids or anything like that. And so I could always jump on a plane, travel with clients, do whatever. And last minute, I was asked to take some clients to game seven um, in Golden State. And I was like, let's do this. I'm ready. Um, mind you, I I I go to bed at like nine o'clock. So it was it was a long night, but it was one of the the best nights um and moments of my entire life. It's truly it's borderline unexplainable. And I'm not even from Cleveland, but what I knew that meant to the city and just to be a part of something so special that a lot of people in sports don't ever get to experience it was like, you really need to take this, this all in because you are, you are one lucky girl. But even though you don't play professional soccer somewhere, you get to witness an NBA championship. Um, And that, that was very special. And the clients were, you know, just crying and like, it was just great to be able to embrace them in that moment. Um, And then, you know, we, we ended up um, staying like pretty much the entire night, Um, we had some plane issues, but you know, the team went to Vegas and we're trying to get back to, to Cleveland when the team gets there so we can all celebrate and have this party. And then we're planning for a parade. I get the flu. (laughs) It was like, Oh gosh. it's was like, you better suck this up, girlfriend. Like
0: a a lifetime. Yeah.
1: We got a parade. Like you got to deal with it. So anyways, but it was absolutely incredible.
0: Well, I've been fortunate here on 52 Weeks also to have quite a few guests that have won a ring. And so the question I always ask do you wear it? Maybe. <laughs> For those that are uh, watching or while we're <laughs> taping here virtually, she has the ring on. So it looks styling, styling and profiling, Abby.
1: It's it's a beautiful ring. They did well.
0: That's awesome. Well, well Abby, shifting back to the business side, working the NBA during that time is, as I was, although the team was having success, the business unit you guys had really built something special and were really able to capitalize during that time and truly had run, you know, kind of parallel paths and were ready for that, you know, big wave ready. What do you feel like you and the team were doing on a consistent basis to be ready to capitalize during that time?
1: Well, we definitely were focused and we understood what the expectations were from the top down. And we were very transparent, and we were prepared. And I think that I I've said transparency I think a few times now. I think that's that's key, and having having the right people and having the right processes in place is, is truly what what made us successful.
0: Absolutely, it always comes down to people and process, and. Now, just under a year ago, Abby, you transitioned out west to the Sacramento Kings where you're at now. And I know throughout the years, there were certainly a lot of opportunities that came your way. Why was this the right fit and right time for you?
1: Well, I knew I wanted to get back west and closer to home. And, you know, leaving the Cavs was not the easiest decision. It was also when I left a very odd time because we were coming you know, we were getting back to, to basketball and we had limited capacity on the floor seats and, you know, it, and we were still working remote. It was just very awkward. And, you know, you can't, you know, people were not wanting to get together and gather and say goodbye and celebrate. So it was kind of, it was, it was tough and yeah. weird saying goodbye, but, you know the King's opportunity when I spoke to Justin Pedkiss who who I know was was on this podcast not too long ago, we just clicked immediately. He's like my brother from another mother, and it was it was easy, it felt right, and it felt similar to when I went to to Cleveland. like I had just this feeling in my gut and I listened to my intuition. Um, I loved the leadership team and everyone that i that I met when I came out here. And another big piece to coming to come into the Kings organization, um, I was at had, had a game that night and we were sitting in a suite and um, Matina came into the suite. Um, she is very well known here in Sacramento. She's our COO and she's very busy, needless to say, especially during the game, but she took time to come to the suite, to sit down and have a conversation with me. And she looked at me and said, look, like we, we need, we need women in our organization at the executive level. And we think you're fantastic. You'd be a great fit. We want you here. And that meant a lot to me for her to to take time to do that and to say that. And so that, that felt, that felt good. and it felt right.
0: No, that's awesome. Well, you get out there and again, been there a little bit less than a year and you're overseeing a fairly new arena with, with all the premium inventory. So what's a day to day look like for you?
1: Well, I'm sure everyone can say this. There's no typical day to day. Like it's, it's always something different, right? Well, so right now, obviously we're trying to figure out what our story is. We just went through the trade deadline. We've, we've had some shakeups and now it's okay. What is the story? What are we putting up to the market? We have premium inventory to still sell. We've done really well on the sweets front. We just actually uh, this past week hit our, our suites um, goal for the season. And so just beyond thrilled and, and happy with our teams. Say that again.
0: Congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> thank you. And now it's, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, that fortunately, unfortunately, there's a lot of dead space, so to speak within the building, but, the great piece about that is that we get to get creative and say, okay, how do we turn this into something lucrative for us? And how do we turn it into a, a revenue generator and put some, you know, some love into space and ticket that space and get creative and have it. And I haven't actually gotten to directly oversee something like that. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And so right now, the the big project for us is how do we identify other areas of our, our building that we can get creative and generate some more revenue
0: now that'll be a lot of fun and you know to your point i previously talked to a 52 weeks also guest you know justin peckis and you know we've we talked asked him a similar question the kings have always been known to be very innovative and certainly kind of the first of the dance with different vendors and technology and you know understanding you know why it's important to have self-awareness and presence and how you deal with clients. So what's your advice on taking technology and digital outreach really to the next level to really gain that advantage in the sales process?
1: So that is definitely something that that appealed to me when I was interviewing to come to the King's organization um, is having the the innovative and open-mindedness of what's the next best practice, what's the next best thing and you know i think as we continue to evolve as the world evolves our country evolves like in you know we compete with other you know industries it's important that we find ways to get creative with how we continue to connect with our clients and individuals and it's no surprise we have an ever evolving tech world and i think it's important that we are staying at the forefront of that but also not forgetting the importance of that personal face-to-face interaction. So I do think it is a it is a fine line. Um, but I think that also comes down to just the relationships that you have with your your prospects, your current clients and what what their needs are. And some, you know, they love that personalized like face-to-face interaction, going to lunch, grabbing coffee. And then there's others that, you know, right now we're working with a new um, tech uh, company. It's called Glowing. It's a texting platform where we're literally able to provide like that personalized concierge um, interaction via mobile texting. Um, And it has been phenomenal in the way that we're able to communicate with our guests, not only on a game night, but when we're on trips with um, some of our group leaders. And we've gotten great feedback. Again, it's all about finding the right ways to connect. And I feel like it is a fine line between that personal interaction and and the tech piece. So I, while I'm all about that innovative next best practice, I don't want to lose that personal face to face. A
0: personal touch. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Abby, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, as we discussed, you've had certainly a, a tremendous career. You've now spent 14 plus years in the NBA, ton of great experiences. So you look back at your time. What do you feel like been your best memory?
1: Obviously I, I would be crazy not to say that winning the championship was a huge piece of, um, a life-changing moment and the parade was just unlike anything anyone could imagine in their wildest dreams. But what's funny is and I saw this question, you know, earlier and I'm finding now more than ever (laughs) is a lot of the team members that um, I had the pleasure of working with And having on my team that have gone on and and moved into leadership roles or just advanced their careers and whether it's in the industry or outside the industry, you know, they're getting promoted and they're calling me and saying, I just got promoted. I wanted to call you and tell you, and it's, it is, it just makes my heart smile as maybe corny as that sounds, but like, and just to know that I had some sort of an impact on their life and their career is one of the most rewarding things ever. Now, I'm not the reason they got promoted by any means. They had to do the work. They had to grow, right? But to be a part of that in a positive way, just that is the most rewarding feeling.
0: It's awesome. And it just goes to show the type of person, type of leader you are. And Abby, this has certainly been great. And to close it out, i like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: If you were to sail around the world, What's the name of your boat?
1: Bubba. All right.
0: If a movie (laughs) was made about your life, who would you want to play you?
1: Uh, Reese Witherspoon.
0: All right. If you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, which ones are you keeping?
1: Definitely Wag. Because I need that to survive with my, with my two pups.
0: Your little puppies.
1: Um... I would Amazon because I'm always on that buying stuff. It's the best thing ever. And then of course, ESPN, need my ESPN app.
0: Perfect. Well, to close it out, Abby, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: Know who you are and understand that authenticity is important. Um, People love authentic, genuine leaders um, that care about them. Relationships are key. I feel like now more than ever with where I'm at in my life personally, like just going back to, um, other friendships that I've had in the past that are coming back around. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, and I'm so thankful for these people. Um, one being recently actually to Jill Snodgrass, if I can give her a shout out, like, I mean, it's just, I can't tell you how great having people within your network and having good positive relationships is phenomenal and a great support system. And then just knowledge of the business, making sure that you are not living in your own little bubble, that you understand and respect and and appreciate what everyone else, whether it's marketing, your analytics team, what they bring to the table, your PR team, because it's not, it's very easy to get into your, your ticket sales bubble or your partnerships bubble and kind of forget how everyone plays a part, even game operations. So
0: No, that's absolutely Great advice. you having that business acumen, that knowledge of the business, but it comes down to, you know, no different than what you do selling wise relationships. Relationships are key for your personal and your professional growth and, you know, being around genuine, good people, authentic people. So Abby, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time, expertise, and our friendship.
1: Thanks Travis. You too.
0: Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.